Hi, I'm Austin. I'm Alex. You're listening to One Last Breath, an autopsy of awful albums. Where we discuss controversial, bizarre, divisive, and downright abysmal albums. In today's episode, we'll be talking about new metal band Limp Biscuits' fourth album, Results May Vary. Limp Biscuit! <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Limp Biscuit were formed in 1994, which, when I heard that, I was like, that's very um, art. It kind of tracks. The first album was, what, 96? 97, I 97? think. 97? Yeah, like, most bands are, like... Kid Rock surprised me, being like like Kid Rock starting his music career in like the eighties. Yeah, so like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. They kind of seem like one of those bands who just like formed and then immediately released an album for some to me for some reason. Well, like Green Day know. feels the same way, but Green Day was a band for like twelve years before they were famous. I mean, yeah, but I'm a I'm a Green Day super fan, so. But, or like Linkin Park or something. I was thinking they'd be like that, where it's like, yeah, they were a band for like. A year. Well, Linkin Park was a band for a little bit just without, it was like, they got Chester. And then they I mean, got, yeah. But they were a band for like two or three years before they got Chester. Yeah. Either way, 1994 surprised me. I was okay. like, damn. <laughs> um, I didn't even know 1994 was a year. And they, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know either. And they formed in a, this is very fitting for their, uh, what's the word? I was going to say ambiance. Um, their vibe. Their vibe. Their, their, uh, their genre. No. Their, um, not Persona. They're, uh... They're Persona 5, Royal. I'll think of it. Um, Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> uh, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, <laughs> other notable bands from Florida. Every pop-punk band every, from the past decade. Every 80s death metal band, besides the ones from Sweden. Yeah, like, <laughs> Florida is kind of 80s death metal, 2010s pop-punk, Limp Bizkit. Uh, rappers. You got Rick Ross. You got Flo Rida. Denzel Curry. He's probably a player. <laughs> You're thinking of Stephen Curry. <laughs> Are they Bro. not the same person? <laughs> uh, uh, they might be. Um, but yeah, Jacksonville, Florida. I just feel like that's very fit- fitting for them. Um, by vocalist Fred Durst, of course. Bassist Sam Rivers and drummer John Otto. Durst and Rivers had been in a few local metal bands, and Otto was studying jazz drumming at the Douglas Anderson School of the Arts, as well as being a drummer in local avant-garde bands. A couple of brief stints with guitarist Rob Waters, I think that's funny that they had Rivers and Waters (laughs) at first, and Terry Balsamo Vinaigrette. (laughs) Terry Balsamo of Evanescence and Cold Fame. What? Later on, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, I would also ditch Lit Biscuit to be an Evanescence. Yeah, Terry Balsamic Vinegar was in... <laughs> Good for him. Balsamic Vinaigrette was in Evanescence and Cold. No, he's Balsamic Vinegar. He's big. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the band eventually settled with guitarist Wes Borland. The, the, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Yeah, for literally no fucking reason. He's like, so talented. Same with the guy from um, fucking... Uh, God, what is the band that's like, it's it, what is it? <laughs> oh, Faith No More? Faith No More. Yeah, the guy from Faith No More is, with lack of better terms, Evan. <laughs> what is it? I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of... But, I mean, he's a vocalist. He doesn't play guitar. And plus, Faith No More is a pretty universally respected well, no, band. I'm talking about the I'm talking about the guitarist from Faith No More. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible guitarist. Oh, okay, I don't know their guitarist name. I, I don't know either. I just know that he's an incredible guitarist. Okay. I mean, have you listened to Epic? It's got some really sick guitar in it. Yeah. I mean, they're a cool band. I don't really listen to them. But, I don't know, the thing with West Borland, it's like, I mean, now Limp Biscuits kind of, like, been retconned as a respected band, but obviously... I don't know about that. They, have you seen people reacting to their new shit? People are fucking hyped and, like, acting like, no, like, everybody just loves them now, when it's, like, not even five years ago, everybody was like, Limp Biscuit fucking sucks. They've always sucked. Oh, yes, Limp, okay. I'm a Limp Biscuit fan. Limp Biscuit fucking sucks. <laughs> and that's the point. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. I don't go to Limp Biscuit and be like, I want to listen to some good music. <laughs> true. I want to listen to good music. I'll listen to, I don't know, like Scandinavian noise. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. That is technically better music than Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But either way, yeah, it's just kind of weird that Wes Borland isn't, like, I don't know. It's like, he could do anything, but he's like, He could have eh. been in any other band. And he's like, I'm just going to. I'm gonna watch this dude he pretend he's big. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. It is all about the he said, she said bullshit. But uh, the name Limp Biscuit was chosen because according to Durst, the band wanted to repel listeners. <laughs> was the whole point really of it. Really the Pearl Jam <laughs> methodology. 
Yeah, pretty similar. Kind of same name. Yeah, both have to do with ejaculating. Um, he said that the name is there to turn people's heads away. A lot of people pick up the disc and go, Limp Biscuit. oh, they must suck. Those are the people that we don't even ever want listening to our music. As opposed to the people who pick up Limp Biscuit. oh, they must suck. Let's buy it. Yeah, let's fucking Which buy it. Which is the people who listen to the music. Which is people like us. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, other names they considered included Gimp Disco, Sp- Split Dick Slit, <laughs> Bit- Bitch Piglet, and Blood Fart. I wish you guys could see my face <laughs> as he read off that list of names. What the fuck? Yeah, from all of those, Lent Biscuit is probably the best choice, I would I say. like Gimp Disco. Yeah, yeah, that I would listen to a, but you have to be an industrial project. That yeah, that does sound like a very industrial, industrial metal or industrial. German industrial. Okay. Um, like yep, Killstar Assembly. Oh god, <laughs> oh god throwback <laughs> to a band literally nobody has ever even heard of. Uh, I only, we only know about Killstar Assembly because we were at our local used uh, media store, McKay's. And uh, I picked it up because I thought, this is going to suck. We thought it was going to be, like, metalcore or, like, I thought new it was going to be shitty metalcore or, like, scene kid music. Yeah, something and, along and the lines. And then the, uh, the dude at the checkout who always wore black metal t-shirts was like, this album rules? And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm right. This is going to suck. Is that still the same dude that is there and wears black metal t-shirts? I have no idea. Bald guy? Really tall? I don't know. I don't go to the case anymore. Okay, I was about to say, because that dude, I was like, that dude's been working there for forever. Oh, that I wasn't, that wasn't like, fucking 2012. <laughs> but, point is, uh, don't listen to Kill Star Assembly. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. I just remember it was industrial metal. We were like, what? Um, yeah, Gim Disco, good industrial metal band name. But my one was Split Split Dick Slit. That's so hard to say. That is porno grind. Split Dick Slit. Yeah, it is. Um... But they soon, after forming, developed a cult following in Jacksonville's underground scene with their energetic live performances, Borland dressing in bizarre costumes, and the band's unique covers of George Michael's Faith and Paula Abdul's Straight Up. Limp Biscuit's local draw was actually so big at one point that Sugar Ray, who was signed to a major label at this point, actually opened for them. Which is pretty fucking insane. Okay, was this when Sugar Ray was a metal band, or post-Sugar Ray being, like, a adult alternative band? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that Fly came out till what, like, 99? 98, 99? Yeah, so this might have been when they were, like, writing metal songs about how you should respect your parents and brush your teeth. Yeah, probably. But still, just the fact that they were major label and then fucking Limp Biscuit was so big that they opened... Or that they headlined it, essentially. Limp Biscuit schooler. I, I mean, I yeah. would rather listen to Limp Biscuit than Sugar Ray. Oh, uh, yeah, I would too. Um, but yeah, uh, and then they were actually, Limp Biscuit was exposed to a new audience when Korn brought them out for a couple of tours after Durst convinced the band to listen to their demo tape. During these tours, Limp Biscuit attempted to expand on their sound, uh, initially trying to recruit another guitarist. Borland, however, determined that another guitarist was not the answer, so they instead tried their hand on a turntablist. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I mean, it worked the out. Two, the two genders. <laughs> and they landed on DJ Lethal, which was formal. he was formerly of the hip-hop group House of Pain. Jump oh, around, yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, was he in House of Pain when they were relevant, or any of the other times outside of that three-month period? I don't know, actually. I have no idea. I want to say probably, but <laughs> like when did Jump Around even come out? I want to say around 94. Probably. Yeah, that seems seems like it. Okay. Yeah, he must have been good for him. He, he jumped around and then he broke stuff. <laughs> the, the other two genders. As my dad would say, like a bull in a china shop. Um, and West Borland actually left around this time. Uh, he ends up leaving like fucking three different times and coming back. Spoiler alert. Um, he left around this time due to creative differences, which, from what I gathered, he was the one that kind of was like, we need a turntablist, so I don't know. <laughs> he, I don't know. I guess he wasn't fucking with DJ Lethal at first. Listen, guys, if you really want to have fun, join a local band, say you need a turntablist, and then fucking <laughs> Fucking head out. And then they're just stuck. They can't do shit. You can't just, you can't kick out the turntablist. You're in like a fucking smooth jazz group, and you're like, yo, we need a turntablist. And they're like, I And then you just you're fucking like, leave. Like, you just have to be the most talented musician. <laughs> say you need a turntablist, and then bounce. Yeah. Yeah, new, um, new social experiment, guys, do it. 
Um, after performing, af- after a performance opening for Corn at Hollywood, Flint Biscuit was offered a record deal with indie label Flip Records. Soon after that, though, major label Mojo offered the band a deal, and according to Flip Records founder Jordan Schur, the band stated that the only way they wouldn't sign with Mojo was if their van flipped on the way to L.A. to record their debut. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's apparently exactly what happened. Um, all the members actually sustained pretty serious injuries, and soon after, Borland actually made amends with the band and rejoined. So, I guess all his homies almost fucking died, so he was like, eh. Maybe I should. On a scale of one to ten, how much it falls is Wes Borland for the van flipping? Uh, five. Five. And okay. A, five and a half. Five and a half. He's, <laughs> he's a little okay. He's a little more than halfway at fault. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty fucking insane. Um, the accident also put some strain on the Mojo deal, who Durst felt was wanting the band to resume work too prematurely following the accident. Uh, so sure, from Flip ended up buying out the band's contract and signing them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, in a way, they stuck to their word. Yeah, I mean... It, the, the only way is if our band fucking flips on the way to record our You have our to album. really believe in a band for them to do something like that, and you'd be like, yeah, I'll still buy out your contract. Yeah, exactly. You have to really believe that these motherfuckers are going to make you money. And yeah. they did. Spoiler yeah, alert, they, they made him money. They did. Um, the result was the debut record $3 bill, y'all. Released on July 1st of 97, Schur negotiated a 50-50 deal with Interscope Records to distribute the album, um, and on $3 Bill, y'all, I, I don't know why the fuck I said that weird, on $3 Bill, y'all, uh, it actually gained pretty positive reviews from critics. Uh, some surprising fans of the album included our friend Megadave Mustaine. Not Megadave! <laughs> yeah, actually was a fan of Limp Biscuit, which surprised me, um. Because he was an outspoken hater of new metal and Fred Durst, but he, aren't we all? Yeah, but he praised the album's musicianship and uh, Borland's guitar work. Also, Corey Taylor said the album was a huge influence on Slipknot's self-titled album, which that one tracks. Yeah, I mean, not too surprising there. Um, following the release of the album, Fred Durst was named senior vice president of A and R at Interscope Records. Yeah, Fred Durst is actually like low-key a genius honestly <laughs> I've, I've got some fred durst stories that i can't share on the podcast but when the recording is off we'll talk some more about fred durst <laughs> i'm interested personal stories you know fred durst. i've got one i've got one story about fred durst that i can't share on the podcast hmm. all right don't, don't know what that could mean but i'm here for it but i mean yeah i mean he seems like low-key a genius like i mean i feel like his whole persona is a persona like i've yeah I, I've, I think, I've seen interviews where he seems like a regular guy like i think he just acts like a douchebag because it sold records and it, that's how you sold records in the 90s you acted like a fucking douchebag and yeah. have some dude who's really good at guitar wear a mask <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's just a formula um next for biscuit came significant other on june 22nd of 99 after the george michael cover on their debut uh faith like they had report or uh, performed in earlier concerts uh gained significant radio play, the band was poised to make a splash in the mainstream. Significant Other did just that, uh, peaking at number one on Billboard and going seven times platinum. I cannot imagine living in a world where you turn on your top 40 radio <laughs> and you, you're you just assaulted with Fred Durst talking about the Nookie. Yeah, that or the Faith cover where it's just really awkward because he's like, uh, nobody has a body like me, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's alright when George Michael does it, but hearing Fred it's Durst say that... It's fine when George Michael does it. <laughs> but Fred Durst, no, I don't, I don't want to touch your body, bro. Sorry. Um, and it featured smash hits such as, like you said, Nookie and Break Stuff. And it also received positive reviews from critics, with most actually considering it an improvement over the debut. The band's third album, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, which is like the best album the best title album ever. Was also, it? one of the best albums ever. Well, I don't know. I haven't ever listened to it I in re- full. I really like Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water. Okay. I think it's their magnum opus. I listened to Significant Other uh, 
after I listened to um, Results My Very while recovering for this podcast. Um, and I, I liked it. It, I, it was about like a 6 out of 10. Like there was some stuff that I really liked, but then some was like, eh. But I'll need to listen to Chocolate Starfish. I think it's, I think if it's, you think it's better album. than that. Because I feel like those are the two that pretty much everyone considers our best. It's yeah. either one of those two. Um, but it was released on October 17th of 2000. And the first part of the title, as most of you might know, is a slang term for the human anus. <laughs> Chocolate starfish. And then the hot dog flavored water part is actually an in-joke started, an inside joke started by Wes Borland at a truck stop while the band was on tour. He apparently saw flavored water and made a joke about having meat or hot dog flavors, which, I mean, haha. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't see why that's so funny. Okay, nerd. Like, <laughs> like I guess. Oh, okay. Like, let's let's be honest. We we understand how far an inside joke can go in a band. Yeah. In the last band we were in, we did name a song "The Search for Diamonds Part 2. The last band, the only band, I was. the only band you were in. The, only, <laughs> the band we were in, we named a song uh, as a part two to a Minecraft video one of the other <laughs> members made when he was in middle school. I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like inside jokes are really big in bands. Yeah, but I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I, I don't know why that was so funny. Just <laughs> hot dog flavored water. LOL. That's, Would you drink it? Fuck no. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, weak. A weak. I mean, for like maybe a thousand bucks, I would, but not for free. <laughs> I need some sort of I'd payment. I'd pay you to drink it. Like. Yeah, I need some sort of payment. Um, the album actually claims the largest first first week sales for a rock album ever in the United States, selling a little over a million in that first week. It, however, received some mixed reviews from critics this time around, who began to feel like the band had started to run out of ideas. Kerrang! users actually, or Kerrang! readers, however, voted it as the worst album of 2000, Limp Biscuit as the worst band of 2000, as well as Fred Durst as the biggest arse of the year. Because they're British. Arse. Oh, yeah, I forgot that Kerrang! is British. <laughs> yeah, they like to say arse. No, I, don't, I don't know. I don't read Kerrang! because they're British. Uh, yeah, that's a valid point. Yeah. Valid reason. Just like I don't listen to the needle drop because he's bald. His bald. opinions are invalid. No offense to our bald listeners. <laughs> our bald and No British. offense to Anthony Fantano. I know you're listening. I know you're listening. <laughs> He's going to give our podcast the light zero. <laughs> um, a year after Chocolate Starfish was released, in October of 2001, Wes Borland left Limp Bizkit amicably. <laughs> oh, um, amicably this time. Yeah, Durst held a nationwide audition for a new guitarist called Put Your Guitar Where Your Mouth Is. You're telling me that if I... I could have been in Limp Biscuit if I had been born a decade earlier. Yeah, or if you just were a prodigy guitarist at four years old. I don't. I don't <laughs> know. Um, I think that if Limp Biscuit hired a four-year-old to play guitar, there would be some issues. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't just care. A bit. Like, I don't care how good of a guitar player the four-year-old is. <laughs> West Borland as a four-year-old. Maybe at that point, I don't know. Um. But yeah, it was called Put Your Guitar Where Your Mouth Is, and the auditions happened at guitar centers across the U.S., actually, where, is where oh, they were held. Interesting. Um, but the whole thing ended up being a publicity stunt to help guitar centers sell gear, apparently. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're back to, uh, I fucking knew it. Yeah, so apparently many fans were left furious after waiting for hours to audition, only to be turned away because they'd suddenly just stop auditions for the day. Um, and just, I don't know, there was apparently a lot of, a lot of shit kind of behind the scenes with that, like, mm. I don't know if they actually held some auditions, or if it was just a complete lie, I don't really know. The mega conglomerate <laughs> does, shit, does something shitty, who'd have thunk? <laughs> who'd have thought? Um, but yeah, so that was a whole situation, uh, so Mike Smith from the band Snot ended up recording various sessions with the bands uh which most of it ended up being scrapped but some of it was used for limp biscuits next album which is results may vary okay so like is there another album between then and results may vary nope nope uh results may vary was released on september 23rd of 2003 and it saw the brand the band branching out musically from their usual hip-hop and new metal style with uh some songs still sang in that camp, but there were many elements of uh, alternative rock, post-grunge, emo, acoustic music. So wait, music. Wes Borland wasn't on this album? No. Not hmm. at all. 
that 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 explains a lot. It does, yeah. That explains a lot. As soon as I read that, I was I was like, okay, that that completely makes sense. This whole time, I've been, I've been scratching my head, like how with Portland, what 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 what? But no, yeah, cool. Yeah, they Tall need tracks. They, they need them. Um, Mike Smith's contributions ended up being used for four tracks on the album, but the majority of the guitar work was actually done by Durst himself. Okay, uh, is Mike Smith related to the guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers at all? <laughs> oh yeah, all Smiths are related. The album was received very poorly this time around, with it holding the third lowest score of all time on Metacritic. And our good buddy Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All Music gave the album a two and a half out of five, saying, The music has no melody, hooks, or energy, and all of the attention is focused on the clown jumping up and down and screaming in front. And and long before the record is over, you're left wondering, how the hell did he ever get to put this mess out? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's that is a solid criticism. A reviewer from Stylus called it an album that can only be described as abysmal, which perfect for our podcast. We love. Yeah, it. <laughs> they're literally just giving us free content. <laughs> and then Rob O'Connor of Yahoo summarized: No, Fred, the results don't vary. The results are consistent throughout your album. Consistently crappy. Oh, fucking got him. Okay, is that like Yahoo, like the search engine? I mean, yeah. That's like... embarrassing. <laughs> do you not remember when they had like? I I do. I was just hoping there was a magazine, so it would be a less embarrassing thing. Like nah, it is really this... embarrassing to be fucking dunked on by a dude that works <laughs> for a failed search engine for Yahoo. Yeah, that is. You fucking said you're crap. Did you bro. guys know that Yahoo is still a thing? Uh, yeah. I still have a Yahoo mail that, like, three of my accounts that I use are attached to. Is Bing still a thing? Uh, yeah, Bing is still a thing. Uh, it is mostly used by people for porn. It, it gives better search results? Uh, from what I've heard, yes. Yeah, okay. I have I have heard a lot of, like, <laughs> like uh, Reddit and, like, some podcasts. They're like, yeah, Bing is really good for porn. <laughs> Interesting. Haven't, haven't tested the results. The results, <laughs> results may vary. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, fucking, I don't know how Fred Durst ever recovered from being called consistently crappy from Rob O'Connor of Yahoo. Like, the but... only thing that could be more embarrassing is if some dude gave you a scathing review, and, like, at the end it was, like, George Bush of Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves? What the fuck is that? It, it's another failed search engine. <laughs> okay, I mean, explains why I never heard of it. It was, like, the first search engine. <laughs> Like Mike, Mike Jones of AOL <laughs> Messenger <laughs> gave your album a shitty review, and you just never recovered. Seven out of ten. Too much water. Too much water. <laughs> oh God, that would be another thing. Getting dunked on by an IGN music reviewer because for some reason they reviewed music I for a bit. I fucking forgot they did that. Yeah, yeah, that would Getting be getting dunked on by a fucking cast member of G Four. G Four. Oh Lord. Um, some critics did agree with the title of the album, uh, feeling that there were some good songs in the mix, but the album as a whole was just pretty hit or miss. Um, Westmoreland ended up rejoining Limp Bizkit in August of 2004, and on May 2nd of the next year, the band released the EP The Unquestionable Truth Part 1. It received mixed reception, but it was notable for having an experimental and sort of prog influence. Which it tracks I, with Westmoreland. Yeah, um, which I I meant to listen to that because that intrigued me, but I, I haven't got around to it yet. I'm just imagining it's the Nookie again, but in like seven six. <laughs> that would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> I would listen to the Nookie in like weird times, like if Fall of Troy covered the Nookie. That'd be pretty sick. I'm going to go to every Fall of Troy concert just to talk to Thomas Eric and ask nookie. him to cover the Nookie. Do the Nookie. I, I've had a very nice conversation with Thomas. He might he might do it. Yeah, he was he was a pretty he's chill a very dude. nice guy. Yeah, he was a very chill dude. Um, in 2006, the band went on a hiatus, which ended in 2009. And after a few shows, Limp Bizkit began working on their next album, which was Gold Cobra, released on June 28th of so wait, 2011. Where's part two? It, it never came. It, they, fuck you, Fred it, Durst. <laughs> it never came. Um, Gold Cobra was released to mix to positive reviews, with some calling it the band's best efforts and significant other. Particular particular praise was 
pointed to lead single Shotgun, which featured a guitar solo, which is pretty uncommon territory for the band. Yeah. And after many years of playing shows and festivals and attempting to record and release a follow-up to Gold Cobra, Limp Biscuit finally headed to the studio to record their sixth and most recent album. Uh, I didn't even fucking... <laughs> I didn't even fucking say the name of the oh album. Oh my fucking god. You keep talking, I'll find the name. Oh god, I'm a disgrace. Uh, lead single, Dad Vibes, from Unnamed Album. Dad Vibes? Yeah, you never heard that? No, I don't listen. I don't listen to New Lit Biscuit. I fucking learned my... I learned. Uh, it's called Still Sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lit Biscuit Still Sucks. Yeah, Lit Biscuit Still Sucks. Um, Yeah, pretty pretty tongue-in-cheek. Surprised you don't remember that. I feel like... That w- that's what I'm talking about. Like, as soon as that song came out in September 30th of 2021, two years ago to the day. Oh, wow. Um, that's when everybody was like, holy fucking shit, Limp Biscuits back. And I was just like... Yeah, I don't remember that. You guys like Limp Biscuit? It was 2021? Yeah. Um, what was I doing in 2021? Uh, two months after that, you were talking to Thomas from the Fall Joy. <laughs> Three months after that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was... It was getting drunk a lot i was a month away from getting married so but i remember that shit coming out i fucking don't i was too busy listening to kelly and cambria (laughs) but yeah that's that's what i'm talking about like i just like i said everybody knew that everybody dunked on lint biscuit and then that came out and everybody was unironically fucking hyped and i was just like i don't know where this came from i blame tiktok Uh, yeah that's that's probably uh yeah probably has something to do with it um but yeah, everywhere on the internet uh, was fucking hyped for the long-awaited album, uh, ten-year gap in albums. Uh, and oh, I'm I'm fucking stupid. I I just had it laid out weird. Uh, I did say the name of the album oh, in this. Okay. That long wait was finally vanquished on Halloween of the same year with Still Sucks dropping. Um, it was mostly well received, with many feeling like Limp Bizkit was finally fully embracing the corniness of their image and nature while simultaneously writing songs that felt nostalgic, but also fresh. Hmm. So, that's where we're okay. at with the bands. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, Lip Biscuits next. I need Unquestionable Truth Part 2. Where the fuck is it? Unquestionable Truth Part 2. Um, we need uh, Chocolate Hot Dog and Starfish Flavored Water. <laughs> chocolate Hot Dog. <laughs> uh, significant Otter. Sign- Bruh. <laughs> significant Beaver. Uh, results won't vary. Four dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> Four dollar, no. <laughs> Evil and biscuit be like. <laughs> Evil and biscuit be like. Four pound euro in it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Evil and biscuit be like insignificant. Uh, what's up? Same. So, yeah, insignificant. Samezies. Insignificant same. Okay. Um. Either way, we're gonna. The results may vary. Uh, the best album ever written and released by a band that does not have Westmoreland in it. <laughs> well, that's some pretty lofty. The, be- the best Limp Bizkit album without without Westmoreland. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's got a little bit of competition, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, we'll go ahead and give it that title. Um, yeah, what are your first thoughts on the album? Um, dude, like Incubus really blows when you're not expecting to listen to Incubus. Yeah, that's. Pretty much, like, I would say 85% of this album is just trying to be Incubus. Like, when I'm expecting to listen to Incubus, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, fuck yeah. When I'm expecting like, yeah. to listen to 311, I'm hype as fuck. Yeah. When I come into a Lip Biscuit album, and I hear this shit, I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Like, exactly. It doesn't have what's more in it. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it... I was expect. I mean, I, I didn't really know why this one specifically was so hated. Cause I, I had heard one song from this album before listening to the album. Mm, I, oh, was you've it, heard one song. From yeah, the, we, we were really big on one song from this album in high school. Which everybody, which I mean, it's a fucking cover, but it's uh, a banger too. Yeah, I, so yeah, it's not a bad cover, but we'll get to that. That's like fucking. It's almost the last song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of wondering why this one specifically was so shitted on, since, like we said, they're famously fucking memed on bands. So I was like, why Why this one album is so heavily hated, enough to be the third lowest rated album on Metacritic? Um, it's not even the most hated EP. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Polyphia joke. Uh, oh, oh, I was, I was like, what? Um, yeah, I didn't even catch that. That went over my head. Um... 
But yeah, with their the knowledge of there being no West Borland, uh, makes a lot of sense. I guess Fred Durst was kind of in his. Like his, his kid A phase, his sad boy hours he, phase. Fred Durst listened to Kid A once, and then a half a decade <laughs> fucking later, died. Half a decade later, was like, I'm gonna make that a good one. <laughs> oh, pretty much. I don't think people have suffered enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have. Um, but yeah, uh, it gets started off with sort of like regular fare from Limp Bizkit. Yeah, we get re-entry, which starts off with some carnival barker shit. Some what? Carnival barker. Carnival barker? Yeah, the guys at the carnival, they're like, come uh, come on, come oh, on, okay. look at the fucking carnival, you dumb piece of shit. We got a man with a beard. Okay, I didn't know that they were called carnival barkers. Yeah. Any uh, relation to Bob? Uh, no, Bob but a lot of relation to Travis. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Travis Barker, this is off topic. <laughs> Have you listened to the new Blink song? Uh, both... There's two I've listened now. to the, the fucking sad one that's supposed to make you cry, and, like, I, uh, it's yeah, okay. I thought it was kind of... I think it's okay. I thought it was a little too heavy-handed, because they literally mentioned, like, Travis's plane crash and Mark having cancer. Yeah, like, I mean... Like, like that's I'm, why we came back together. I don't even remember how it fucking went or anything. Like a wise man once said. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little cringe. The other one that came out with it, though, if you didn't listen to it... I haven't listened to that one It was now. good. It kind of... Uh, had some. Did you ever listen to Neighborhoods? Their album that they released when they when Tom rejoined. Was after it their... after uh, California? No, no, it was before. They went on that big before hi- California. They went on that big okay, hiatus. Did I have listened to it. it was yeah, before California. Yeah, they went on that big hiatus after uh, the self titled album in two thousand three, and it, yeah. Neighborhoods came out in two thousand eleven, I think. Okay, so and, and it had Tom in it. California was 2013? 2016. 2016. So this is this is the first time I've listened to a new. Link song in seven years. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was really into California. I think you're wrong. What was that? That's not what this podcast is about. I haven't listened to it since like probably fucking 2018. We'll listen to California on the podcast. I think it's bad enough to fit. I think it. Could, I think it's really divisive. Uh, the one after that's even more nine. I don't. I haven't. Know I want to listen to anything after California. I haven't listened to it. But either way, listen to the other song okay, uh, that they released. It was actually really good. Tom's chorus and it was really catchy. Um, Sorry, I just had to bring up <laughs> Blink-182. Um, but yeah, so we get the Carnival Barker shit. He's talking about how this is going to be the greatest thing to ever fucking happen. Yeah. He really hypes up this album. Yeah, he really does. Um, to me, the it kind of sounded like uh, Kyle from South Park and Satan from South Park like having an argument. Because it was just like a very, very high-pitched kid-sounding voice and then like the fucking... like stereotypical devil shit. Yeah. Like how they do in South Park. That's and like, it... South Park was like, huge. Like, probably height of its popularity at this point, too. Yeah, around there. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually got, like, Trey Stone and... Was it Matt Stone? <laughs> Trey Parker, Matt Stone, yeah. Trey Parker, Matt Stone. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually got them to, like, be on the album. I don't think they did, but... It sounds It wouldn't surprise me. Like, they seem like Limp Bizkit heads. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Have they ever made fun of Limp Bizkit on South Park? I feel like they had to have at some point. Uh, surely. There's no way they haven't. Uh, but that's besides the point. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what I immediately thought of. I was like, I feel like they're trying to do a uh, very, very uh, in touch with popular culture yeah. thing here about having that, trying to be funny, which it fell pretty flat. Yeah, but then it goes into like a crazy instrumental. Yeah, it was a pretty sick riff. It would have been really cool if Fred Durst didn't try to be Tom York. Does he do that on this song? Yeah, he does it straight out of the gate. He drives me Thom. Thom? Oh, God. I forgot his name was spelled like that. I didn't. Thom. Thom York. God damn it. I hate Radiohead so much. Uh, this is uh, the number one Radiohead hate podcast. It really is. Both of us hate Radiohead. We were specifically not, not, apolog- com- we're not covering Radiohead on this podcast because I think it's too bad. Yeah, I mean, which everyone would, agree, would disagree with us. Don't like Radiohead. Don't like you too. Yeah, that's. I think that is one. I am iffy on the Talking Heads only because they made Radiohead happen. Yeah, they got some bangers though. I, I like the Talking Heads, but it's their fault that we have Tom <laughs> York. So like, yeah, out of out of all of our similarities, I think that is one of the strongest ones between us. Is we both fucking hate you two and Radiohead. I think everyone hates you two at this point, but like Radiohead yeah. is still. Yeah, but no, if I would literally listen to fucking any other band, like I would listen to fucking i'd listen to mersbow <laughs> yeah before i listen to fucking radiohead i would listen to 
what's the worst? I would listen to Lulu like twenty times before I listen to radio fucking kid <laughs> A or YouTube. Like I don't know. I think most of it is like the fan base. It just fucking like the R backslash MU core people. You know that like Anthony Fantano types. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you're you're fucking stupid if you don't like Radiohead. It's like the same or... people that like listen to the Smiths. Yeah, which I mean, Morrissey's a piece of shit, but the Smiths got some. I, I, like, I, I like, like some of their a stuff. Russian push, but only because Coheed and Cambria did a really good cover of it. Hmm. But either way, like people that are very in that like post punk, like art rock. I don't know. It's like, like avant garde. Like they think they're better. Than, they're the same people that listen to fucking like Billy Corgan. Yeah, I like Smashing Pumpkins. I hate Smashing Pumpkins. I like that. They're good. I don't like the Smashing... I don't like Billy Corgan. I mean... So much that I hate Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, yeah, he does seem like a dickhead. <laughs> but either way, that's that's completely... That's a point, but I guess I had to come out at some yeah, point either, in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, like... Well, this was the perfect album. He sounds like he's trying to be Tom York. Yeah. Like I said earlier, he listened to Kid A once. <laughs> he was like, this is my whole personality in a decade. Yeah, I mean... A decade from now... We're gonna remake this. I mean, that's I've also made my entire personality a single album before, but, but it's it's always been a good album. It's, it's always a good been album. Shinedown. Oh god. <laughs> um. Yeah. Then we go to Eat You Alive, which starts out starts out with another really catchy riff. It absolutely fucks. Yeah. Fucking usual fare from Limp Biscuit. Like at this point of the album, I was like, why is this like this is Limp Biscuit? I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, why is this so hated? Um. Got some some raps some weird vocal flair type things yeah, like, like a inflections section and the verses yeah some pretty cringe lyrics um some it's, harsh vocals in there biscuit, yeah yeah like kind of kind of touching all the bases for Limp biscuit uh and then of course we have the clean and moody melodic section that is essential to every new metal track it gets thrown in there um yeah overall a pretty good song this is a solid song this made me like respect Limp biscuit yeah i mean i was i feel like it's so just a watered down nookie or break stuff yeah but... like it's nothing special but it, like it's not bad like the instrumental fucks yeah and then give me the mic it's another like <laughs> biscuit like fucking staple yeah i i really like this i one. really like this i even put none of that thom york wannabe shit and just solid new metal that god imagine uh, being named thom yeah what a fucking loser <laughs> god he could crush us with the weight of his wallet okay yeah pretty much what a fucking loser um but yeah the chorus is pretty catchy but this song is nothing special at the end of the day yeah it's just upbeat party i think new it's metal. good uh i think the breakdown is sick yeah yeah really really catchy chorus but i mean quality stuff i would say but now <laughs> is Oof. where we get to the real fucking underneath the gun the <sighs> real meat and potatoes of the album uh underneath the gun a notable for being a five-minute song. Like, you you will have to put me underneath a fucking gun to listen to, like, the middle section of this album again. It's, like, literally... There's a few excursions that aren't Yeah, this... Um, I think I listened to this album twice because I, I, like, forced myself to get notes the second time through. Yeah, I listened... I think three times, actually, and it was... God. I forced myself. Like, it's literally a good ten or eleven songs stretch with like two excursions that aren't in this uh what band were you saying incubus yeah incubus that aren't in that incubus thing but it's like almost like 12 11 12 songs straight that are just fucking yeah the most boring shit well, you have this ever one, heard this one is kind of an 80s power battle ballad if incubus wrote it eh, i i can kind of see that but it's not a limp biscuit song yeah i'd say it's pretty just post grunge like it feels really 80s to me okay but like late 80s like mm. when we're getting into like the grunge kind of era where they're starting to like dirty up so like when hair metal is trying to be grunge maybe yeah when like hair metal is like <laughs> getting dirty yeah okay hmm. I, um, yeah i guess i could see that it kind of but... gave me a poison vibe in some parts of it too mm. poison was kind of like the dirtiest of the hair metal bands well no rap eh, i would say motley too poison was pretty pretty uh polished i would say well i mean i mean what do you mean do you mean aesthetic or do you mean like recording quality like the vibe they're going for like okay molly crew like I molly crew is definitely like, the fucking dirtiest but like poison like i don't know Poison rose has a thorn is pretty fucking filthy 
talk nerdy to me. It's like it's a different kind of filth. Like like um, Motley Crue is like yeah yeah trashy is a better word for it probably. Motley Crue's not very trash. They're very like I mean they're trashy. They're hair metal. They're I like, get what you're poison saying. Poison like poison would like fuck my cousin and then piss on my dog and want me to pay him twenty bucks for gas. So would Motley Crue. I don't know. I I get what you're saying. No, Motley Crue would want me to buy the meth. It's different. <laughs> I, I I get what you're saying. I, I definitely do. It's hard. It's hard to uh, put it into words. As opposed to like Kiss, who would just like kill my family and then go save <laughs> Santa Claus. But I mean, Poison literally fucking like everybody thought that they were women on their first album because they're wearing so much makeup and they they look fucking pretty. But then Motley- not women. Yeah, oh yeah, we learned something new oh, today. Shit. But then fucking Motley Crue was like literally, I mean, yeah, they wear makeup, but they just look like they'd fucking be in the street like shooting up heroin and... <laughs> yeah, they're different, kinds of, they're different kinds of dirty. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah I, see, I see what you mean with Underneath the Gun, semen like it's kind of in that 80s yeah. power it, it ballad does, type. It does have a sick breakdown. Eh, I want to call it sick. Uh, it's, it's a breakdown. It's, it's sicker than you get for eleven songs. Uh, yeah, you better say something good about it, Alex. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, um, it it is the most solid of the Incubus songs. Yeah, yeah, they, I guess they come right out of the gate. I, I, you know, you really gotta hand it to Fred Durst for in the middle of his album just recording a new Incubus album. Yeah, I, it's just I don't know. Like Wes Borland really fucking makes this band. Like, yeah, it's just so like I don't know. It's like nobody comes to Limp Biscuit to hear like meaningful, melodramatic fucking songs that are. I, I come to Limp Biscuit to hear Fred Durst act like he thinks he's stronger than anybody <laughs> on the planet. Yeah, like to hear white trash party music. Like that's the whole point of Limp Biscuit. Um, but then we get the Down Another Day. Yeah, even which, uh, I have two lines for this song. It is basically an Incubus song. It is not memorable at fucking all. Yeah, this one it sounds like Puddle of Mud to me. Like. The same band, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Even even worse than the last track. Uh, that's about all all there is to say about that one. Um, then we got almost over, which is even fucking worse than the last two. Oh my god, it does have a little bit more lip biscuity feeling in the chorus. It does. I'll give it that, but it's so cringy. Yeah, the lyrics are extremely forced and just fucking hilarious. Yeah, like, it um, it's, it's talking about um all the things he did as a little boy. Yeah, and all the different things he has now done as an older man. Yeah, literally the entire verse is like da 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 as a little boy, da 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 as a little boy. Now I blah 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 as an older man, da 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 as an older man. Yeah, it's, it's like so the bad. Fuck listen to this. <laughs> listen to this song. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's pretty really fucking. Bad. And he's like, "Time to blow their minds." <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean the chorus. I, I also said the chorus is pretty good and catchy, but other than that, a pretty fucking yeah. unbearable song. Uh, then we get to build a bridge, uh, which is a Creed song. Yay! <laughs> More Fred Durst being sad over it, bland rock as instrumental. As far as what it is, as for a Creed song, I mean it's not a good Creed <laughs> for song. a Creed song. It's not a good Creed song, but like it's a solid Creed single. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the Creed phenomenon for uh, people who don't know me in person is that Creed singles are so much worse than the B sides. Yeah, Human Clay actually kind of Human sucks. Clay sucks. I remember when we listened to it on. We were, One of our iPods. we were in an airport in Texas on a three-hour layover. In Texas? We were in Te- I thought we were in Washington, D.C. One of the two. <laughs> One of the two. I've been in a lot of airports as a teenager. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you have to go to church, and they're like, you want to go on a mission trip to Guatemala? And you're like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, I want to go to Guatemala. Fuck yeah, I'll go to Guatemala four, I went three times, you went four times? I think I went five times. Mm-hmm. I went twice without you, yeah. Because the first time I went and the last time I went, you weren't there. Or maybe I only went two times. I think you went three. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's some lore about us. We listened to Human Clay on in, an iPod Touch and <laughs> Layover. In the year of our Lord 2013, I believe. Probably going to Guatemala. To, I was on the way back. Oh, on the way back. On the way back. Yeah, a hard week of building houses and, or building stoves and. Playing with kids. Teaching the Bible. Teaching, teaching the word of God. Uh, Playing explaining, soccer. Explaining to a thousand children in Spanish that, yes, he is my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> he, he may be younger than me by two years. But... Oh, brothers? No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. They were fucking... Uh... <laughs> 
as uh, Fred Durst said in Almost Over, time to blow their minds. <laughs> that was us. We fucking... Time to blow their minds as an older man. Oh, <laughs> Went to Guatemala as a younger man. Now um, I'm depressed and can't afford a house as an older man. Yeah, we have nothing. I have nothing good to say about Builder Bridge. <laughs> yeah, I, I l- don't remember a single thing about it, to be honest. Uh, then we get to the weirdest song on the album. Yeah. Red Light, Green Light. Yeah, featuring Snoop double fucking G. Yeah, um... Why does Snoop Dogg call Fred Durst his nephew? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I thought maybe you found an answer to that. I, I, I don't know. Uh, me and uh, my beautiful partner uh, have theorized. He did not want to say my uh, my N-word. Yeah. Freddie D. I can see that. Uh, because I don't think you give Fred Durst that kind of power. <laughs> that kind of power. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he could handle that. No one man should have all that power. <laughs> yeah, Fred Durst would seem like the type of dude where that that's said, and he just immediately thinks that he can say it now. <laughs> well, yeah, which I mean, I've I've heard plenty of rappers uh, give that term of endearment to white rappers. Never to Fred Durst. Never, yeah, never to Fred Durst. That's that's one mistake you will never make. Um, but the instrumental is good. Uh, Fred's Durst. Fred's verse is weak. Fred's Durst is weak. Fred's Durst is weak. <laughs> uh, Snoop kills it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fucking sad when a guest comes on and drops the best verse on the entire album. But it's also Snoop Dogg, so and, what the fuck do you expect? Yeah, but I mean, I even would say it's just an okay verse. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few bars that are really good, but overall it's, like, not, it's not amazing, but it's still yeah. the best fucking verse this album has to offer, so pretty embarrassing. <laughs> pretty fucking embarrassing. <laughs> okay, next up on the docket, Take It Home. Uh, this is the most hip-hop beat song. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's a I, really nice change of pace, actually. Does it even have any guitar? I don't, I don't think so. I don't remember. I just remember it having like a weird piano part that was kind of jarring. Because I've never yeah. heard piano in a Lit Biscuit song. True. <laughs> um, it's, it's really nice because it's really short. Yeah. It doesn't overstay to welcome, which is not something I can say for the rest of the fucking album. Yeah, it's just kind of an interlude. Um, but I thought it was... Pretty nice, but weird to hear Fred Durst say most most grown men don't cry enough. I was like, huh. okay, Fred Durst. That's, that's very different for Mr. Freddie D. Yeah, I was like, I, okay, I respect that. <laughs> didn't, didn't expect to hear that from Fred Durst, but okay. Oh my god, and then we get to the only one. <laughs> it comes out of the gate heavy as hell. Yeah. Um, and then it just becomes Fred Durst trying to convince us all he's not a fuckboy. Yeah, like, if you want to hear Fred Durst rap about abstinence, then this is a song for you, I guess. God, the, the way he says, because that's a no-go, is so <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah, he, like, literally is just talking about, like, wanting to, like, not wanting to fuck on the first date, pretty much, essentially. Over, it's so funny. It's over, like, a rejected P.O.D. instrumental. Like, it sounds like a P.O.D. song. I would, I would argue that P.O.D. sounds like a Limp Bizkit song. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's a fair point. P.O.D. is just Christian Limp Bizkit. That's, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, then we got Let Me Down, which is, like, really weirdly starts off with them, like, I don't know what it's called when you're not sampling, but you, like, are playing something from another song. Yeah, they're literally playing Take the Money and Run. Yeah, by Steve Miller. With <laughs> the woohoo and everything. Yeah, like, the drum beat, the woohoo, the whole... I don't listen to like seven times. Other than that, it's just an incubus B side. I don't fucking care about it. Yeah, just another mid tempo, boring rock song. But I, I don't really know why they chose to do that. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um, then we get to Lonely World. Uh, I don't know why I wrote this first line, but um, I start off my notes with truly, who is the man in the middle if not Malcolm? <laughs> I literally wrote that too. <laughs> I said also, Fred, I believe Malcolm is the one who is in the middle. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same fucking page there. But yeah, the f- whole fucking uh, chorus is just him saying something, something, man in the middle, something, diddle, diddle in the fiddle. He doesn't yeah, really say, I don't remember stupid, what the fuck he but, says. Uh, the verses aren't bad, flow-wise. Lyric-wise, they're awful. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird, like, it takes the shitty songs on this album that are just Incubus, but adds the Limp Bizkit personality into it a little bit. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind it's of a halfway... Fine. Compromise between those two, which makes it a better song, I would say. Than yeah, and the chorus is just forgettable adult alternatives. Yeah, exactly. But overall, uh, starting to kind of get out of that uh, 
fucking lull in the middle. Yeah, then we get to the one song that I'm really surprised Wes Borland had nothing to do with. Yeah. It's a phenomenon, it, which, yeah, it, I mean, it gives, like, pretty classic Limp Bizkit vibes. Yeah, the guitar is incredible. It becomes, like, if Primus was a fucking new metal band. Hmm. Sounds insane. It's genius. I feel like I'm getting this one and Head for the Barricade confused, which is later. I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> but I do remember liking this yeah, one. Head for the Barricade is very old Limp Bizkit. This one's more, like... If Primus was a rap metal band. Okay. Which is sick. It's a good song. Yeah, um... I felt like this one was kind of trying to recreate Nookie a little bit, though. Yeah, I can see that. Like, yeah, I, I remember it now. Now that I read that, that's what I said about it. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of... It's not as, like, in-your-face as break stuff or rolling or shit like that. It's kind of that more chill vibe that Nookie yeah. has uh, until the chorus hits. But, I mean... Good song. It's better I than... Really, I really like the song. Better than the last, like, fucking ten songs. So. Uh, this is to, uh, <laughs> Creamer. Radio is dead. Yeah, why the fuck is this called Creamer? I don't fucking know, but it's more... It's, it's literally what you expect from Limp Bizkit, which is Fred Durst trying to convince you he's the hardest fucking man on the planet, as if my little sisters cannot beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's kind of the whole... The whole thing for Limp Bizkit. That is their ethos, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this one kind of tries to go for the vibe they went with for uh, Lonely World, which was all the way fucking back. Where was that damn song? Yeah, in the middle. Um, the Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of brings that vibe where it's like mixing a little bit of the post-grunge alt-rock shit with Limp Bizkit, classic Limp Bizkit. Uh but it doesn't work as good as that song. I, I, I really, think. I really fuck with the verses, but the chorus is so bad. Yeah, it's just this um, tough guy lyrics. Freddie D does say the word "haterade," which is <laughs> yeah, the, he does. The like, hardest thing to say while still being threatening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could this maybe be like the first instance of haterade being used? In something? Surely not, because <laughs> I didn't think that was a thing till I don't know a little later in the two thousands. Surely not. Um, and then we get Head for the Barricade, uh, which is another song that sounds like Old Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, um, yeah, I can see 13-year-olds fist fighting their stepdad to it. Yeah, it goes pretty fucking hard. Like it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, I mean, that's the best Limp Biscuit songs. Is... Yeah, like, that's the vibe <laughs> of good Limp Biscuit is I can see a 13-year-old fist fighting their stepdad. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it has a pretty shaky first verse that's kind of kind of cringe it has a columbine reference which is god is it this is that the same verse that like name drops the deftones yeah i think so that's so cringe yeah um but the hor the, the horus the chorus is really hype and infectious and there's even like a thrash metal part towards the end of the song i, I, I called it uh, metal core yeah it, like, like it has some like real harsh vocal moments yeah it's like a fucking perfect for the mosh pit like it, it goes pretty hard um but yeah, it has like that, which I've never heard Limp Bizkit do anything like it. The fast, fast-paced, like uh, just metal riffing, like not even yeah. new metal. Like it's actually like a fucking like real metal, like a lead guitar part, and like some really fast fucking snare beat uh, went pretty hard. Um, kind of would be a pretty good wrestling entrance theme, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most, most good Limp Bizkit would be, uh, but then we get to the only reason to listen to this album. <laughs> The only reason anyone knows this album. The only reason I had ever seen this album cover. Mm -hmm. uh, Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, um, I don't know what to I, really say about it. You've all probably heard it. It's a solid cover. Yeah, I mean, it's I like it. it doesn't really change anything that the original uh, song the, did. Um, there's that like L I M P biscuit. Yeah, and whatever the fuck he sa it says there. Yeah, I I don't know what's up with that, but I don't know. I've I've heard this song like many more times than the original. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Like, I, the original about the Who. Yeah. Who the fuck are they? <laughs> Who? <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I listened to this song so many times in high school. Yeah, this one was a pretty heavy, heavy rotation for really me. Really heavy rotation. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, I feel like it's pretty hated, but I mean, I, I don't really see why. I mean. It's not as good I mean, as their faith cover. Yeah, definitely not. Like, because that one actually brought their personality to the cover. This one is just an over for note cover, but I mean, yeah. it's not bad. Like, I feel like. I feel like we really need Wes here. Yeah, he could have done some crazy shit with it. 
I mean, um, maybe, I don't know. I feel like that's not really the type of song you could make Limp Bizkit. I, I would love to see them make it Limp Bizkit. Could be interesting. But yeah, overall, decent cover. Um, then we get to Almost Easy. Sorry, All Almost That Easy. <laughs> um, which, I thank God this is the short, this is such a short song because it just sounds like fucking Radiohead. Yeah, just another unnecessary interlude track. Um, kind of gives, like, Linkin Park vibes a little bit to me. It just feels like Radiohead. Yeah, Radiohead. I, I mean, Radiohead. There's keyboard, but I mean, you know, you got the like. There's it's just another one where it's just a rap beat, like there's yeah. no uh, guitars or anything. So, I don't know. There's really nothing to say about it. It's pretty fucking boring and uh, pointless. And then, <laughs> and then we get to one of the weakest album closers we have ever covered. Yeah. Um, it's just a shitty Soundgarden song. Yeah, Drown is the title. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I was hoping after an 18, fucking 18 track Limp Biscuit album, why the fuck, for one, does that need to be a thing? An 18 track Limp Biscuit album. They could have just ended with Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, but I don't know. I was hoping with the end of the album going back into good territory that they would end with a banger, but. Nope, it's I, just a Soundgarden song. I don't even. I would say stained. It's not even Soundgarden, it's just like a fucking stained or. <laughs> puddle of mud type song like it's just fucking boring post grunge yeah pretty pretty downer way to end the album <laughs> um but let's get into lyrics there's a lot on this one i only grabbed three just to not overdo it i overdid, <laughs> I overdid it shit. i'll do my three there's some pretty bad ones um damn you're so hot and eat you alive mm. it's pretty bad um <laughs> i ain't looking to screw on the first date because that's a no-go <laughs> from the only one uh, and finally, my favorite one uh, from Lonely World. <laughs> I love sneaking out when my mom was asleep with my gothic girlfriend <laughs> making love in the creek. Yeah, okay, I got that one. Yeah, Fred Durst is pretty much the embodiment of those people that simp over goth girls on. He is the embodiment of where is my hug. I need a goth GF right now. That's that's literally Fred Durst. <laughs> Fred, where is my hug Durst? Yeah, Fred fucking still wears like jinko jeans and a fucking green yankees cap where's my goth gf bro <laughs> fucking nerd uh i got oh wait okay i don't know why well, i was stuttering on that one um hold on you're moving too fast i'm up for something that lasts i ain't looking the screw on the first night because that's a no-go and if the vibe's good go to first base because the first kiss could be your last taste i ain't looking the screw till the vibe's right <laughs> yeah like i said if you want to hear fred durst rap about abstinence then <laughs> that song is so bad yeah the only one is the song for you um then we got from lonely world well you already kind of touched on it but uh before that he says i remember high school man i hated high school it was like prison with bullies always putting me down just a little skater boy they could pick on i learned to forgive them now i got the balls they can lick on <laughs> uh. <laughs> Um, and then from Phenomenon, I like this one, uh, check the flow, I organically grow, like the weed I for sheezy be letting you know, ooh yeah, I'm kind of feeling horny. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't fucking know why he thought horny would, would rhyme with, uh, letting you know, but, but alright. And then, um, oh yeah, here's, here's the one you were talking about earlier on Head for the Barricade. This world can make you sick to your stomach, so I put on my headphones and listen to the Deftones. God fucking damn it. <laughs> yeah, needless to say, uh, Fred Durst is not the best lyricist. Um, I would <laughs> Pretty even go as far to say that he might be one of the worst. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he's, also, he's he there. did do it all for the nookie. Yeah, so you can take that cookie. Um, is that all the lyrics he got? Yep, that's it. Uh, I probably could have done a lot more, but those were, God, those were the worst really of the everywhere. worst. Okay, so, worst songs. Um, oh god, I didn't even fucking write this down. Fuck, I didn't either. Um, I'm just gonna say the absolute worst song, which is, um, fuck, it's I, really hard. I, I really don't know if I could probably pick. almost over. Yeah, I think that might be the worst song, and the best song on the album is <clears throat> "Phenomenon." Yeah, worst song is either "Almost Over" or that one fucking interlude. Was it the second? Or no, no, not the interlude. Drown, I would say. 
is because like why the fuck do which you one end was that? drown again the oh, last song one. okay cool yeah why the fuck do you in this in the album with that boring ass song um my favorite was head for the barricade head for the barricade's also good phenomenon i'd say top three is head for the barricade phenomenon and give me the mic are my top three yeah but head for the barricade i, I would actually like go out of my way to listen to it i thought it was a really good song well actually really the best song on here is their fucking cover behind <laughs> blue eyes but um what is uh, did you get another fuck mary kill i see that in your notes <laughs> yes i see have, it in your notes we have to do it now that we started I don't it i think we do we do it's okay fun. fine fuck mary kill i got uh your boy fred nurse of course okay so yeah the, you'll you'll see the theme here uh fred durst uncle cracker and everlast <laughs> Everlast oh. was just one guy, right? I don't have to fuck a whole band. Yeah, that's the dude for House of Pain. God fucking damn it. Um, fuck. He also did uh, What It's Like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The other one song, I can't remember. Um, God, I would kill Uncle Cracker because for I've heard rumors of him not being a great person. I can see that. I would fuck Fred Durst. But you have to take them on, like, I, five dates first. It requires multiple dates. <laughs> so I might marry Fred Durst and fuck Everlast. <laughs> God, that's worse. Oh, this is worse than the last one we did. Yeah, and in that one we were talking about fucking anthropomorphic dogs I would rather fuck McGruff the crime dog <laughs> than any of these three. Oh, God. I guess I would... I'm gonna base mine on their... On my enjoyment of their music. Oh, so I'm gonna kill Uncle... Uncle Oh my god. Uncle Cracker. Why is that hard to say? Um, I'm gonna kill Uncle Cracker like you, but I think I'm gonna marry Ever... I don't know. Do I really like Everlast more than Lint Biscuit? <laughs> How many Everlast songs do you fucking know? He has like two songs that are... I like the What It's Like song, and he had one other song that I can't remember that was that was good. I can't remember the name of we it. We can't though. remember it. How many Lint Biscuit songs can you remember that you like? he was in House of Pain. Jump Around was good. You know what else was in House of Pain? DJ, the DJ. DJ Lethal. DJ Lethal. Um, I guess I'll have to copy you. I think I copied you last week, we, but I yeah. think that's the only answer. Hello, my beautiful partner. Fuck, Mary kill. Fred Durst, House of Pain, and Uncle Crack. House of Pain. Come to the mic. Come to the mic. <laughs> We're getting my beautiful partner on, on, the, on the mic. Okay, so fuck, Mary kill. Everlast, Fred Durst, Uncle Cracker. I don't know shit about Uncle Cracker being a bad person, so I'm going to marry Uncle Cracker. <laughs> Ballad. I'm gonna. Oh, the next one's tough. <laughs> um, jeez. I mean, they're... I don't want to do either of those things to either of those people. They're, they're, <laughs> both, gotta, they're both unattractive, fifty-plus-year-old dudes. Okay, like if I only got to fuck Fred Durst once, I'm gonna fuck Fred Durst once, and then you know what? Fuck it. We're killing Uncle Cracker and marrying Everlast. That's the okay. right choice there. Okay. Oh, see, the problem Actually, with fucking Fred Durst. Uh, he doesn't fuck around on the first date. Yeah. He, you gotta... He, you gotta he, said that, he said that a lot in that one song. <laughs> he's, he, he specifically said, I don't screw on the first date. That's a that's no-go. A no-go. <laughs> well, shit. I'll, I'll take him to dinner once, twice, maybe. But he ain't putting out by that second time. So you gotta savor the kiss. It might be your last, case, <laughs> last taste. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. Wait, so was that was that our answer, too? No, I think I think no, no, they uh they flipped it. Okay, okay. They flip. They're they're so marrying Everlast. Okay, we're all killing Uncle Cracker. <laughs> I mean, that's the only that's the only choice here. <laughs> he's he's signed to Kid Rock's record label. This is the second episode we're talking about Uncle Cracker. Yeah, we have to cover an Uncle Cracker. It's record, becoming though. a problem. Okay, aggregate scores. Ah, uh, shit! You I didn't forgot grab the fucking God. I mean, it's the fucking third lowest rated album on Metacritic, so I mean, it can't be that bad. I can think of many worse albums. Let's see results. Thank May you, Keaton. Day. I understand that you would also kill Uncle Cracker. <laughs> I appreciate the camaraderie. All my homies hate Uncle Cracker. Um, one point seven one out of five from two thousand nine hundred ninety five ratings. One point seven one out of five. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a three point four two. That's high. <laughs> this this is a pretty. Okay, so like the low points are obviously so fucking low. Yeah, the low points but are the like the high points. Uh, not that high. I like the high points a lot. I'm gonna give it four point seven. I mean, considering it only has three songs that I actually enjoy, and the rest are either mediocre to awful. 
don't know. I can't give it higher than like. What'd you say it would be if it was converted to ten? Three point four two. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay, so a I little would, lower than that. I would give it a four point seven as a younger man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But what would you do as an older man? <laughs> four point six nine. Okay. Yeah. I I think I think it's definitely not an average album. Yeah. But I do not think it is the third worst album ever made. No, no, definitely not. I mean, three's pretty low, but it's, still. It is notably worse than K-Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this stack up against other novelty albums? <laughs> <laughs> this is now a novelty album? Um, we said that McGruff is the best novelty album last episode, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just wanted to remind myself. <laughs> Um, We're retconning results may vary as a novelty album now. Yeah, so uh, does this deserve one last breath? No. No. No, don't fucking listen to it. Literally listen to those three songs that we said are good. (laughs) And and maybe Um, the cover of Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, listen to the cover of Behind Blue Eyes. Listen to the cover of Faith. Uh, Instead of listening to this album, listen to the cover of Faith. And then maybe if you want to hear Fred Fred, Fred Burst. Fred Burst. Fred Durst talk about how he doesn't put out. You should listen to that song. Um, You should also listen to this album as a younger boy. Mm-hmm. Not as an older, Not as man. older man. That's where we made the mistake. <laughs> but um, yeah. That has been all for One Last Breath. We'll see you next week with God, what is technically a novelty album? Yeah, it's just worse from here. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs>